Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. Let me ask you your opinion on this because I think that people are really missing out. I think the people who really want to be successful at their job I think a huge win would be like not working from home and actually showing up in the office. And I think you can, is that right? Am I right there? I, and I don't know if, I mean, I know we we were different. We have some difference in age, of course, but um, I think it's important. I mean, I, you, I think you miss so much by not being in the office, not only work stuff, but social stuff. Um, mm. Half of our crew, I could hear him today. I, of course I was working, but they were down there playing. They were having a ping pong tournament, and you you can't do that. You can't do that online. That's what I mean. I don't understand how people can build a culture. I just don't understand how building culture you can do that when the people are not there. And then and then the other thing is like I think about the people who really really want to be successful at their job or really want to really want to like shine. Right? You want those high performers. You need those people in inside. You need those people there because that, it sets a pace. It sets a tone for the company. Yep. Uh, right. I mean, it's just, it's so important. Uh, I, and I guess my, um, what I'm getting at everybody, if you're listening, welcome back to the Marty Grisani show and, uh, what we do here at upstate home buyers and the upstate New York real estate investors group. I'm, I'm really excited. You just heard a little bit of back and forth with Jeff, but, uh, uh, you know, th- this guy is just, he's probably one of the the nicest guys and he's just the simplest to talk to like you'll be able to get him on the phone i mean if you have some real information for him or if you if you really do want to reach out and talk about mobile home parks or just you know that kind of thing jeff does have time because he's always at his office but you know he's you know really really interesting company with the the recent purchase of uh, the 2300 pad acquisition you guys just became not too long ago new york state's largest owner operators of mobile home communities that's correct. We did. We're still, uh, we're still swallowing, swallowing it. Um, <laughs> I, bet. I keep telling everyone it's like the, uh, I'm sure everyone has seen it where the, uh, the boa constrictor or the Python or whatever it is, is eating the pig and it's got, it's got its head in its mouth and his ass is sticking out. So that <laughs> ass is still sticking out of our mouth. So, but we're, we're yes. working on it. It's, uh, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. One bite at a time. That's how you eat an elephant. What one bite at a time. And um, you know, I know Jeff's story a little bit because I've been, uh, like I said, he was nice enough to let me come in and my partner to talk to him a little bit about mobile homes and, and self storage. But uh, I guess for people who don't know Jeff, let's kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. You know, how you got started in real estate, and then maybe how you how you thought mobile home parks and and commercial was the way to go. You want me to go all the way back? Sure, let's do it. All right. So I started off with a single family down the street on Highland Avenue. Um, I was working for a market research company and I bought a house because that's what everyone said I should do. And uh, I had a couple of roommates. Um, they, they were helping me pay the mortgage. They bailed. Um, I didn't want to shoulder, shoulder the, uh, whole, the whole payment by myself. So I moved home and rented it. And it went really well. And I was like, well, this is pretty easy. So let's, let's, let's do it again. 
So I started buying some uh, doubles and singles in the city and uh, just kept rolling from there. Got up to about a hundred apartments, uh, quit my job and was just man- managing those up until about 2007, 2008, got lucky, sold, sold all the apartments right before the uh, crash of 08. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm. Got very lucky. Um, and then started turning into more uh, commercial, commercial real estate. Um, bought my first park in, in 08, uh, up in uh, Sandy Creek, New York, which is about halfway between uh, Syracuse and Watertown. And I mm. uh, just fell in love with the business model. It was, uh, it was great. It was kind of the best of both worlds. You know, you had the, the, the offhand, um, uh, somewhat offhand management of, of just owning the land and the residents own their homes. So, you know, that was the ideal situation. Um, that's still the ideal mobile home park situation. Um, obviously, you know, not every park is like that. Um, but that's, that's how I fell in love with uh, mobile home parks. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, let me ask you this question. Cause we're, you talked about 08 a little bit and you sold right before, like in the 2006, 2007 time. And, and then, got into mobile home parks, your first park in 08. And it's really kind of crazy, Jeff, to think about it. That wasn't that long ago, really, on a timeline to go from one park in Sandy Creek to the largest mobile home park owner in New York State. I mean, does that ever like, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you didn't foresee this when you bought that one in Sandy Creek. Do you ever just go, like, just go, what the heck did we just do? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or were you like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like, I'm going to go and and then this is something that, you know, you got that passion hunger for. I mean, you obviously do, which I want to talk a little bit about, but I mean, that type of growth and success, I mean, it's, uh, did you ever envision this? No, not really. Um, You know, I, I, I had that job. I was working for, you know, the market research company and I got up to, I probably was about 50 or 60 units. And I just, I didn't like, I I didn't like working for someone else. I felt Mm. like, and we were talking about it earlier, no matter how hard I worked, I wasn't, I was only making, making the boss, you know, making the boss, uh, richer. Um, you know, just, you know, I would go in on the weekends and it was, you know, I get my three, 4% raise and I don't know, it just wasn't for me. And, and I saw real estate as a way to really, um, get rewarded for hard, for hard, hard work. And well, obviously that's, that's what's happened. It's, it's, you know, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know, for the past, you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years, um, has, has proven to be uh, successful. Who would have thought, who would have thought, who would have thought an overnight success in 10 years by putting your head down and working 70 to 80 hours a week. It's a beautiful thing. No, it really is because I think it's, um, I know people get lost in like, the whole overnight success and, you know, people, they're just looking at, you know, a news clipping of you that go, wow, the largest owner operator in a mobile home park. And it's like, yeah, but you weren't there in the office on Sunday at, you know, five, six o'clock in making a, you know, dial or running another analysis on uh, a mobile home park community or taking the punch in the face because the raise didn't go well or whatever it might be. I just, I think it's great. And, and yes, for those who, who uh, were hearing a little bit about it, I think you can separate yourself. Like if you're a entrepreneur, right? So there's entrepreneurs like Jeff uh, and, and then there's entrepreneurs who you're working for a company and maybe you're in sales or acquisitions or whatever in, in your Comp- uh, compensation is based on your performance. Well, I believe that if you're showing up to the office it's going to, you're just going to separate yourself so much more. The CEO is going to see you coming in. They're going to be like, wow, this guy, even if, 
even if you're maybe your performance is not as good as others, but if you're, I think if you just show up, it's still a huge kudos to that person. Um, Consistent effort is huge. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it compounds. I really do. I think it compounds. So one of the things, Jeff, is I've noticed, and I read this book, um, Am I Being Too Subtle by Sam Zell. And he said something, and I think this is a, this is very much you, and it's a lot of the people that I talk to and have on here because this is, you know, like-minded folks on here, is that there's an urgency when you when you talk to the person. There's there's always like an urgency. Did you always feel like you had an urgency? Like is that is that is that make sense, dude? Does that resonate? Like yeah, I, I just I, I have an urgency, like to just get it going or or make like like you said it. What, what's the best thing you've ever said? I think, and I I, I I'm gonna butcher it a little bit, but it was basically the best. Your next deal, your be- the best deal is the next deal, yeah. right? Or are your favorite? What what is that? And, and you do what do you what are your thoughts on the urgency factor for like an entrepreneur? It, it's for me, it's been very important. Um, like I, I've always felt, I've always felt that urgency because um, I never want to, I want never want to miss a deal. I never want to miss a good deal. And mm. um, you know, a lot of people talk about learning that there's always going to be another deal. There's always going to be another deal. But yeah, but what if what if that deal you miss is the best is the best one? I mean, I could <laughs> yeah. I could point to so many deals, you know, and that we've got that we've done in the past twenty years that have been just grand slams, you know. And if you didn't put the urgency to make sure you got to that to closing, um, and then did the work that needed to be done afterwards, it might not it might have not happened. So, so, and and I just want to you know again because a lot of business owners are listening to this and investors are listening to this. Is it fair to say you got to be a little paranoid or is that a stretch? Um, what do you mean? Well, you know, you, you really, that, that, that's a paranoia factor too, right? Like, Hey, we got to get this deal. Cause I know for me, I don't, I don't care. Like the, the deals that we get, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's cool. That's an, Oh, by the way, like, of course we got that one. It's the ones that we miss that I'm like, it, it, it haunts me. Um, and that there, there's a little bit of a paranoia to like, not, you know, being obsessive, but a paranoia of like, hey, let's, and I guess that comes with the urgency factor, but there is a paranoia, like you need to have a little bit of paranoia. Like, and I should say, if you're not worried, you should be worried. You know, if you're, if you're worried, you, you don't have to worry. Right. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny you ask, you're saying some of these things because like I said, we're still trying to swallow, swallow that pig and I'm, yeah. I'm crazy. I'm worried about everything right now. I mean, I, I get to be honest with you, it's probably the past, uh, this past nine to 12, eh, probably six to nine months have, have probably been, um, one of my most stressful, stressful times because of what, mm. we, what we just did. I mean, we, yeah. we, we increased our pad count by 50% and our point, our employee count, we doubled in overnight. Wow. So, wow. Um, yeah, so I'm worried. I'm worried all the time that, you know, maybe, maybe we're missing something. Maybe what about this? What about that? But probably the biggest thing that is makes me uh, allows me to sleep at night and gives me confidence is the great the great people that we've hired around us, and we've over the past twelve months that's what I've been doing is really focusing on on hiring uh, really good people and um, they're yeah they're we got a really good team here Marty so that you really do I mean really really do. Uh, people that really care. Yeah. I, I know. I know a few of them personally, and I, I know they really do care. I, I will say that um, I just—it's good to hear these things, Jeff, because I think people think that it's like, 
you know, once you get to a certain level, the the pressure goes away, and it's like you, you guys just heard he's the most stressful oh. that moment. <laughs> I th- to be honest, with you, I think I feel more pressure now than I did when there when there was fewer employees, and I think the reason mm. the reason is because I I have I have less control. I really right. do have to trust those all the rest of our team to do their job, and that's you know that's new for me over the past few years. Um, but it's still, it's still, a, it's still a difficult, pro, you know, difficult process every, every, every day. Um, but yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. And I think that's one of our problems, uh, here at my company is that, you know, when you, like you and your brother, Jeff, when you're, when you're the visionary, right. It could at times be tough because as the visionary, you 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 have it up here and you just want to take care of everything and you want to be the one that that does it all and it's it, that's not how you grow and i think the tough thing is um is 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 the is taking the time to go instead of me getting after it i need to get my people like going and empower them and it's but it can be it can be very difficult because you know i heard this rule it's like the 70 70 rule and it's basically like I know if I do things, it's going to be done 100% well, but if I can hire one person that's going to be a 70 and then another person for the same thing that's a 70, now we have 140 for that role. How, how do you, I guess, empower your your team? Is it really just kind of going, hey, I'm going to give you 100% trust until you show me I shouldn't? Or what are some other things that you can do? Because I, I really think it's helpful for me, and this is why I have the show, and also people listening. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we try to do as much uh, background background checks and just, um, you know, resumes and interviews and, and uh, you know, reference checks as much as possible um, to make sure we're hiring the right person. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, it takes, you know, three, three, four, five, six months, depending on the, on the, the level of the employee to see if they're going to be able to do the to do the job or not. Mm. Um, but no, I like to trust 100 percent off right off the bat and then okay. um, and then let them um, you know, fail, I guess, you know, would be the only way to say it. Um, assuming that we're giving them everything that they need to do their job. So, um, but yeah, I I like to start off fresh and trust someone right from the start. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. And I think that's one of the things that we, you know, I got to remember, and I think people need to remember like, you know, 90% of the time, if someone leaves, it's probably because of management, right? You probably didn't set them up for the success. And I, I think at first we, you know, being immature in business, you might've just said, you, you, why aren't you getting it done? And it's like, no, I need to do a better job. This is my fault. You got to own it. Right. I think people don't do that um, enough. Let's talk about this. I thought this was very interesting. I mean, you're going through a, a crazy growth uh, spurt right now, a lot going on, and then you decide to do like a, a ground up development. Um, how is that? Is that what's going on with that? What's what's happening with Uptown Landing? Yeah, we're still working on it. Um, okay. Yeah, we. Uh, I think I, I missed. We had a meeting on Tuesday just internally, um, and we're just going over our architectural renderings, uh, making sure we're all all set on, um, unit composition. Um, so we're getting closer. It's taken, it's taken a really long time. Um, we still don't own the properties yet. They're under contract, but we are Got it. We're going to be closing on those in September. Um, they're under contract. There's no, there's no issues. Um, and then, um, hopefully we'll be breaking ground. I would say probably maybe toward the end of first quarter of 23. 
Oh, okay, sweet. So what does that look like? Like, um, it's uh, you guys are building not just mobile home uh, communities on there, right? It's other mixed use, or what's 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 happening? Yeah, there? so we're looking at about five hundred, about five hundred residential units and and commercial units, and then another a uh, couple hundred uh, MH units. Um, so it is mm. going to be truly a mixed use property with MH, you know, manufactured housing, um, apartments. Uh, we're going to do some um, some live work uh, spaces, and then we're also just going to have some regular commercial spaces. Um, but yeah, Excellent. it's going to be. It's a, it's a huge project. Yeah. Biggest one I've ever done. I, I gotta, I gotta do a shout out to uh, Don Lasher. Who's my partner on this one. Um, he owns a uh, capstone capstone development. And uh, like I said, he's, he's, he's my partner. He's going to be the GC um, on this project. And he's been, his knowledge has been invaluable with, uh, with the construction. Mm. So. Yeah. That's uh that's one of those who, not how yep. it's not, you know, how do you do this? It's who, who's done it and who knows exactly. what they're doing. Yep. Yep. And, and those are the, and those are the best. Um, well, you know, when you've been, you, you know, you go 2008 and then, you know, you, you get the thousand pads in like 2016 and then now it's, uh, you know, over 6,500 pads, you know, when you're thinking bigger, is it, what allows you to do that? Is it the systems that you have in place? Is it the, is the systems and processes? And then, you know, if that's the case, then what are some like, is it just through hiring well? Like, is that like the best way to just do this the best way, right? Hiring well. And then is there just like some, some things that you could share to maybe the listeners on how you can scale and go bigger? Yeah. So as we scaled, our biggest, probably our biggest hurdle was processes and procedures, which we did, we really didn't have, you know, we had, I don't know, call it four or five employees, you know, in the office and we could kind of just run things, you know, off the cuff and, you know, from the hip, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the processes and procedures were all up here in my head. Um, right. But once you get to a certain point, you just, you can't do that. You can't scale that anymore. Um, hmm. So we hired a COO, we hired a CFO, we hired a bunch of, a uh, bunch of accountants to, um, to do, to do all that. But it was really important for me, the, the senior leadership, the CFO, the COO, our HR director to put in place those processes and procedures for everyone else to follow and also to make sure that they are indeed following, following those uh, systems. Um, mm. I mean, look at any big company, uh, any, you know, any, it doesn't matter, Coke or, you know, um, IBM or Xerox or whoever, it's all processes and procedures. And I was so scared about those that, you know, when I, when, when we started talking about, about those systems, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be flexible. I want to be nimble. And not that we're not flexible. We're not, we're not as flexible or as nimble as we used to be, but that's because now we have 125 employees versus five. Um, so, I mean, it's a trade off. It's a trade off, Marty. It's if you want to be, if you want to scale and you want to get bigger, um, you got to be stricter and you got to have those, those policies and procedures in place to, to cut, to catch everything. Um, yeah, it, it's just a testament to the idea of like the, what got you to a thousand units is not going to get to a 10,000, you know no what I mean? And, and, and so that can be pretty difficult, especially if the people and partners you're, you're around, um, it got you to that certain level. And now you have to figure out, Hey, I need to get a CFO or a COO and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I heard, I heard the the CEO of Oracle said one time, he goes, the toughest thing that we ever had to do was when we, the people that got us to, you know, $20 million a year, uh, weren't going to get us to 60. So I had to, had to figure that part out. Yeah. So, 
Um, that's interesting, and that's good to know. Yeah. Here's something I thought I really wanted to know here is, um, you know, you have storage, and, and you, have, you have a bunch of different, uh, uh, different uh, vehicles of commercial real estate, but is there one that is like, you're, you obviously have a passion for mobile home parks, but self-storage, is that also a passion? Is that also something that you see that there's a lot of growth potential still in New York State? I do. I mean, I feel like, like you said, you know, my passion is, is, is manufactured housing. Um, we have about, I think we have about seven or 800 storage units right now. Um, I kind of feel like, not that we missed the boat. I mean, I feel like I missed the boat personally, cause I, I don't want to, uh, kind of like start, you know, start over. Not that 700 units is, is, is small, is small, but like to really go big in storage. Um, I feel like it's just, it's not, I want to stay in my, my lane as far as for manufactured it. housing, but I think it's a, I think it's a great, um, growth market. Um, I think it's, if, if, if I would, if I could go back and, and if I was able to buy storage units at the same cap rate, I was buying parks at 10 years ago, I would have bought all storage units, but I, I couldn't find them at the prices I wanted. Um, cause storage units are, I mean, they're simple. They're so, so simple. They're freaking boxes and people pay their rent. And if they don't pay the rent, you sell their stuff. Right. It's so much different than, you know, than residential, whether it's apartments yeah. or single families or, uh, or manufactured housing. Um, and there's no, the management is, is very, very minimal. Um, we had, uh, we had 1500 units storage units up in Watertown that we got for a great price. And, and we held them for about a year and we sold them. Um, a bigger company came in and gave us a, you know, a price we couldn't refuse. Um, but that, there was a lot of growth that could have been there. And, and again, we just kind of said it, let's just, uh, let's take the money, run, money and run and stick with our, our manufactured housing. Yeah. Cause I remember I, I saw another, uh, interview you were on in, um, you said, you know, we, we had some apartments, but you know, some larger multifamily yep. and you're, and you're just like, let's just stick to our bread and butter. And it's obviously serving you guys in the way that uh, you envision. So that's, that's awesome. Yep. Well, I guess what's the, what, what's, here's a question. Cause I was like, this has got to be, you guys got to be licking your chops. Cause I, obviously, yes, you got to digest some of the stuff you got currently, uh, but you're always in growth mode and, and you guys got some really key people that are going to be able to hire some really good people. And that's what you want. Yep. The upcoming, you know, we're in this kind of funky spot now with like this uh, recession and, uh, you know, people are saying it looks kind of similar to 2008, like in regards to commercial properties. Um, what are, what are your thoughts there? Like with these commercial backed securities, with these, with these people that, you know, they bought these places, these, you know, mobile home parks or self-storage facilities, maybe like a couple years ago. And now they're coming up, their balloons coming up and their interest rate that it was at two or three or whatever it was, four or five. And it, and it was barely making sense then. And now it's going to be something crazier. What, what's going on? In, I mean, are you thinking about this? I'm sure you are. What are your thoughts with all that? No, I think you're definitely going to see some, um, some defaults coming soon. Because uh, like you said, you know, people were, and we saw it all, all the time. People were paying crazy money for, for manufactured housing uh, communities. A lot of them were interest only. And those are all going to be coming due here pretty soon. And they're not, either they're going to have to put a boat, you know, a boatload of cash uh, into the deal um, or they're not, or they're not going to be able to get the financing they need. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of that stuff coming around, you know, next, you know, 12, May 12 months or so. Um, okay. but at the same time, I don't know, you know, if they can wait it out, I do think in 23 there, I think rates are going to come back down. Um, this, I, I don't think they won't, I don't think they're going to stay this high. Interesting. Okay. 
All right. Well, that's good to hear. I, uh, I was I was thinking doom and gloom, but no. uh, I, I think that's a bad way of actually thinking. Anyway, I think you always need to be optimistic. Yep. So that's, but I, you know, you, I heard this thing. It was like because I'm I'm very much I follow like the macroeconomics, and I think it's very interesting. But they, you know, somebody said they go, you know, basically that you don't need to pay attention to that stuff it, rarely, and it's like one percent of what they say is really what happens, and you just got to be you just got to be like very much like yep. just put your head down and work, right? I think that's like always the key. Yep. I think, um, you know, I think if based on what's going on in the news, if we would change anything that we're doing right now and we, we wouldn't, I mean, we're aware of it. We're aware of what's going on, but we know that, you know, uh, five, 10, 20 years down the road, everyone's still going to need a house to live and they're still going to need, um, an apartment or, you know, whatever type of a living arrangement they have. Um, yeah, we we're now if you, maybe if you're in some different sectors like office retail, um, you know, I would, I would try to be a little more forward thinking, but for our space, we're, uh, we're good. We're just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. I love that. I know you guys are doing great. You guys are crushing it. So what's the, I guess my other question is when you're, when you're, you know, when you're approaching these larger deals and you really do need to, you know, there's different, definitely different ways of acquiring. Um, one of the ways that I know you guys are doing is through funds. Um, what would you say for someone who's kind of newer and uh, they have a really great background? Is it, what's the first step you think like, Hey, get it under contract. Then be like pending, like you can get the money for it. Um, do a few deals with a couple of different people. Like how do you find the people that you're, you're going to fundraise? Like, are you know, how, what does that look like? Is that you doing it? Do you have people that are reaching out to high net worth individuals? Like kind of explain that process a tiny bit. Sure. So, uh, well, what I've done in the past is I always like to get under, get it under contract first and then start pitching. Um, not meaning that you shouldn't be talking to people, you know, on, on a daily basis about what you're doing, just so they know. So, so when you do talk to them, go, Hey, I got this deal. It's not out of left field. Um, but if you, yes. you know, if you talk to people and say, Hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're always looking at deals where, you know, as soon as we get something under contract, we're going to be looking to raise some money um, for the equity for that property. Um, so again, so they, you know, it's not coming out of, of left field. Um, and then once we go under contract, you know, you know, full, full, uh, full speed ahead uh, to find, to find the equity. Um, but it's really just relationships. I, I found the best, um, the best vehicle to find uh, new investors was uh, through doing podcasts. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I found that was the best way to do it. And then people, people talk about it and they, they, sh- you know, they share the podcast. Um, that was really the, um, that was the best, the best and the quickest way to do it. I raised um, pretty much $26 million doing podcasts. <laughs> That's the title of the show. Yeah. That's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> no, really, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, and it wasn't, I didn't, I never had my own podcast. I would just go on other people's podcasts. Um, and it was just talk, talking about what we're doing, talking about my track record, um, talking about how I run, you know, how I run things and how, what my philosophy of, of management management is in real estate. And um, it really, it comes down to, you know what it comes down to, Marty? It comes down to character. And it, co- mm. it comes down to um, other people trusting you with their money, that you're going to do the right thing. And it's real easy to do the right thing when things are going well. Um, it's not so easy to do the right thing when things are, are, are not going well. And that's where the character thing uh, comes in. So, 
Yeah, so that that is so good, and I I, I think you're so right. And and a, and a couple things about you know cook properties. You know, I I like that um, you are willing to get on here, and and you are willing to talk to people. You know, I think some people that's not really their thing, and even if it is uncomfortable for some people, I think it's still something you need to do. Right? You still got to go out there and talk to people. So let that for the listeners. You know, if you want to look at learn how to raise money, go out there and start start telling people who you are yeah. and what you do and what you're looking and what you're looking for. Right. Um, and then the other, you always when you're talking to people, at least for me, you always talk about what you do for a living. I mean, that's a perfect, that's a perfect um, way for you to insert uh, Hey, I'm, I, I do real estate. I, I own X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, this down the road and, we're, you know, we're always looking at, uh, you know, raising equity from private investors and, you know, individuals like yourself. And there you go. You just, now you just told them, Hey, I'm looking for money. And, you know, everyone sees the stock market going crazy, uh, crazy up and down. It's uh, it's good to have another another source of um, a diversity for your investments. So it really is, and it's and it's and it's a nice way because the other thing Jeff about the podcast too is they always are they're always there. They're just going to stay there exactly. for you. Yep. <laughs> they constantly yep. are sitting there and 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 hopefully uh, and hopefully working, and then. Yeah, I think the the other thing is, uh, I, I think people can tell this is something that you really have a freaking passion for. It I mean, is. it's it's really it's really tough to it, tough to not want to go with somebody who's like this guy freaking loves it, yeah. and I don't really know what he's doing. The other thing, Jeff, that I think that you guys <laughs> do very well is uh, is the management part because you know some people maybe are just syndicating and then they're hiring a third party. You guys are the people on the ground, right? That's got to be a big difference maker, right? I, I think it is. Um, we've, we've attracted a lot of investors for that, for that particular reason. Um, I, myself personally, I would, I would feel uncomfortable investing with someone that's not going to run the property. Um, they can't make decisions quick enough. Um, mm-hmm. and their trust, I mean, let's face it. Anyone can buy a pro anyone can buy a property, Marty, but running right. it, that's when you're going to prove who's successful and who isn't. Um, not that there's not a lot of good third party managers out there. I just, I, we prefer to do it ourselves. Yeah, that's a huge separator. It just is. And there's really not, there's really nothing else you can say other than, yeah, I mean, give me, you know, if you're going to invest with us, also know that here's the other thing. You guys also invest in the deals. That too. Yep. Right. Um, you know, some people in some cases they'll, you know, yeah, you know, there's fees of course, but that, that how you run the business. And also at the same time, you know, um, some of the things that, you know, you do and I'm going to be doing is instead of taking the acquisition fee, potentially putting it into the deal. Right. And I thought that was a really, yep. really nice way of just, again, keeping the, 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 the thing moving and um, all right, well, Jeff, this has been amazing. I, I guess my last thing for you is what's the, what's kind of like the future look like for, um, for cook properties, you know, is it, you know, got to digest what you have, but I mean, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you looking at? Is New York just it? Pennsylvania? I mean, not just it, obviously it's freaking New York, but are you, other places making sense to you? What, what are your thoughts there? We are, we're starting to look um, really any, anywhere Midwest up and down the East coast um, for, for deals. Um, it's harder. Cause you know, we're, we're looking for bigger stuff. So there's, there's less of it. And, and there's also yeah. other people competing for it too, of course. Um, so yeah, we're, you know, we still want to be, my goal about a year ago was to be at 20,000 pads in, um, in three or four years. So we're about a year into that. Um, so we got, you know, another quite, quite, a, quite a ways to go here over the next few years, but that's okay. We'll keep, we'll keep working on it. We have, we have two people that are just dedicated to acquisitions. Um, so they're looking at deals all the time. Um, in addition to existing parks, uh, we're also looking to do some new development um, mm. down in the Southeast area uh, of United States. So we're working on some of that and just 
we want to definitely want to do more more development, more ground up, uh, brand new uh, manufactured houses, housing uh, communities. I love it. I love it. I, I just love that there's still we got goals here. Yeah, for sure. We got big goals here. And I love that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's inspiring. It's like, come yeah. on, you know? Uh, <laughs> so guys, if that didn't get amped up, it should. And if you have questions about Jeff and, or about cook properties and, and investing, uh, what's the best way they could reach yeah, out they to can you? call me. Like you said earlier, Marty, I've always, you know, I'll always return a phone call. So I'm ha- always happy to help. Uh, 585-233-4699. Or they can email me at uh, Jeff Cook at cookpropertiesny.com. So you just, you got someone's phone number. No one's done that. That's freaking awesome. Uh, Anyways, guys, that's the show. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I got, I just got really amped up. I'm, (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm I'm ready to go uh, do my workout now. So uh, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you. Thanks, Marty. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Marty Grizzani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.